Welcome to What's a Beautiful Life Anyway. I'm your host, Jill Bennett. This is the channel that shares ideas to help you live your best life. Because life can be beautiful if you live consciously. Welcome to this edition of What's a Beautiful Life Anyway. On this episode, we have Nikki McGlynn from Organized Mind. Nikki is a neurodevelopment and trauma therapist. Hi, Nikki. Hello, Jill. How are you? Yeah, I'm great. Thank you. How are you? Very well. Thank you. Brilliant. But it's, it's so lovely to have you here because to live our best life, we need to find a way to move on from any traumas that we might have in our life however long we may have held on to them. And Nikki, you're an expert in this department, aren't you? Yes, I suppose so. <laughs> <laughs> you are, you are. Um, okay, so first of all, maybe you can explain to us what a neurodevelopment trauma therapist is, please. Well, I um, I work with people who are either neurodevelopers or who have some history of trauma, Um, And I look to see uh, really where their brain isn't functioning quite as it should be. And I use movement programs to try and improve function for them to improve their lives. So I work with both children and adults. um, And usually they come to me with issues such as anxiety, problems with focus and attention, problems with behaviour, sometimes reading, writing problems, um, that sort of thing. Okay. So with or without a diagnosis. So sometimes people come with, they've already been assessed and have a diagnosis um, of autism or ADHD or dyslexia, dyspraxia. Sometimes they just come along because things aren't quite working as they should. Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. So how can we tell, maybe we haven't had a, a, a diagnosis, how can we tell if we've got some sort of neurodiverse tendencies like undiagnosed ADHD, for example? Well, I think there's a there's a huge proportion of the population that are neurodiverse. And um, I think that one of the issues is that is that all of these conditions, we aren't, we're very well aware that autism is a spectrum condition. So you can you can uh, have uh, autism in a either mildly or profoundly. And the same goes for all of these conditions. So uh, with ADHD, you can have ADHD very profoundly and it can really interfere with your life, or you can have ADHD traits which just make certain things a bit more difficult, or you can have dyslexia that just makes organisation maybe a bit more difficult, but you don't have huge problems in other areas so really how do you know yourself um I think one of the issues we have particularly with adults is that we don't know we just Mm. grow up thinking that that there's something wrong with us or that we don't quite fit in or we don't understand why we don't think the way that everybody else does and then Nowadays, there's increasing numbers of people, particularly women, looking for a diagnosis later on because they have a suspicion. And usually it's because somebody else has said something. So I got uh, diagnosed with dyslexia and dyscalculia when I was in my 40s, when I was 40, because I'd taken my daughter for an assessment and it suddenly became glaringly obvious that maybe that was my problem as well. Mm-hmm. So so I think really that's that's how people spot it is 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 usually other people point it out to them. 
And I think, sorry, I'm just putting my phone on now. <laughs> Do not disturb. Um, and I think, as you say, it's it's a, for a lot of us, it wasn't diagnosed in those days. No. I think today, more so, people get diagnosed. So children today, um, teachers are probably more aware of these conditions. Funny enough, I was on a one-to-one this morning with a guy who was, he's pretty certain he's got ADHD. And my daughter often accuses me of having ADHD because I can't sit still for long enough. But as you say, there is a, there is a spectrum. So you could have a mild case of it Absolutely. and not actually be aware that you have it. Absolutely. Fascinating. It's such a fascinating subject. And of course, we all have assumptions about how these things present. So um, I had no problem with reading and I had no problem with spelling. So why would I be dyslexic? Um, I can't tell my right from my left. (laughs) Even now I can't tell my right from my left. So, you know, it's those are the kind of things. And I had somebody in today uh, who has no problem with reading or writing or spelling or no problem with reading or spelling lots of problems with writing um who's clearly quite dyslexic but because we have this perception that that dyslexia is a reading problem or a spelling problem in the same way we think adhd is is really only affects boys that throw chairs around in the classroom well Mm. that really isn't the case and and women present very differently from men we have more connections across our corpus callosum so uh, our hemispheres tend to work better together so a lot of the things that affect boys and men don't show up as easily in girls and women We're, we're better able to mask so so lots of things get get missed and and you know you say that nowadays teachers are better at at spotting it well not always you know Mm. not always yeah no I think you're right it um I, I guess it depends a lot on the school and the issues that the school has and and how good the teachers are in in that particular and if you have a if you have a child who has there's three three types of ADHD. There's ADHD hyperactive, which is probably the more typical presentation, ADHD inattentive, or ADHD combined. So you can have both. But if you have a child who has ADHD inattentive, then they'll sit and look out the window. Yeah. And and they won't be any trouble. And they'll probably be bright enough to kind of keep up with things and 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 they get missed you know if you're if and and that's a that's the thing really that that we need to be aware of and you hear a lot of this don't you from lots of inspirational speakers who say when I was at school I was always being told to stop daydreaming to stop looking out the window I was a bit like that actually I was a real daydreamer always in my own little world (laughs) so possibly (laughs) (laughs) and it can really impact people's lives can't it because I guess we all have situations where we feel we don't fit in in life but whether you do something with that so for me I've been on a personal development journey for 10 years and feel I'm a completely different person now to the person I was when I started that um and I've always managed to achieve in life, but I have worked very hard to be able to achieve in life. So, yeah. So you talk about retained primitive reflexes. Yes. So so I look at uh, retained primitive reflexes, which often are what sits behind a lot of these processing issues. 
And retained primitive reflexes seem to be the big secret that nobody's ever heard of. I'd never heard of them. And I've been a therapist for 15 odd years when I came across them to help my daughter. So primitive reflexes are movement patterns that all babies do. They start in the womb. They follow a particular um, cycle uh, and they should all have integrated into the central nervous system by about 18 months. So and they develop sequentially and they have a particular job. So a lot of those primitive reflexes are associated with birthing, um, with feeding, with moving. And if something interferes with development and interferes with with progress, then those reflexes don't either don't develop properly or don't integrate into the central nervous system or they can integrate into the central nervous system and then something can happen to cause them to re-emerge. They don't disappear um, and they're part of our survival mechanism. So uh, as adults, things like um, a real shock or a traumatic event or a car accident can cause those reflexes to re-emerge. And those reflexes will, will be present in people who are neurodiverse. So um, either the fear reflexes, which both start in utero, um, neck reflexes. The fear reflexes often sit behind ADHD and autism. Um, spinal reflexes are particularly associated with ADHD. Neck reflexes are particularly associated with dyslexia and dyspraxia and dyscalculia. So, so that's what I look for when people come to see me. I look for where those reflexes are still present, still active. Um, and because they're movement patterns, then I use a movement program to encourage those reflexes to integrate into the central nervous system. And then people suddenly are more able to be still, to focus, to concentrate. They're less explosive. They've got better control over their emotions and their behavior. Uh, so it's they're really it's really liberating. It, it's really life changing, really life changing stuff, actually. Yeah, yeah. And um, sorry, I keep turning everything off of my computer because for some reason, despite putting do not disturb on, I'm getting all this, uh, all these noises, which we don't really want when you're talking. Um, so the one thing that comes to mind for me is um, you see a lot of children, and I can remember one in particular when my children were small, who don't crawl. And they right. say they might be a bottom shuffler or whatever. Right. And then you find that they're very hyperactive as a toddler. And right. I remember reading something then where, you know, crawling is actually a really big part of the development process in a children. Is that sort of? Yeah, sort massive. Crawling is crawling's really impactful um, because it. So one of the things crawling does is it sets your focal length. Um, and in in um, cultures where they don't have crawling because it's not safe, uh, those cultures then don't have written language. And Temple Fay, who was a neurosurgeon back in the 1950s, said civilization is 18 inches long because that's the length of a baby's arm. So crawling sets that focal length at the length to be able to write, draw, paint. Wow. So, so that's one reason why crawling is really important. And also uh, crawling is sort of the... As, as babies develop, as they roll over, sit up, go on to all fours and they, well, they go sit up and then they sort of belly crawl before they go on to, to four point crawling. 
that's a that's a culmination of a whole process. So being able to crawl means that you're able to support your weight on your hands and your knees which means that your core is strong that if you can crawl properly it means that you can use both hemispheres of the brain because because as your right hand goes forward your left knee goes forward and and vice versa so it's being able to do that across the body movement that's really important um and yeah i mean we see that a lot in children who who can't sit up because they've got no core strength because the reflex, which is a neck reflex, which is associated with your core, is called your symmetrical tonic neck reflex, uh, is not able to establish properly. So, so you you see it a lot in people who who have poor core strength or or don't who literally aren't aware of their core. Often they didn't crawl or they only crawled for a very short period of time. Okay. So babies who who bottom shuffle or go from sitting to walking. You know, babies that walk up sort of nine, 10 months don't walk. They get up and run because they don't have the balance to be able to walk properly. But they they're frustrated because they can't crawl. Wow. Fascinating. I know my son, he was an amazing crawler. My daughter walked very early, but she did crawl first. She did crawl first. So fingers crossed. <laughs> Sometimes okay. babies, babies crawl. And they only crawl for a very short time because because it's uncomfortable or or it feels unsafe. Yeah. So they'll crawl for a little bit and then they'll go on. Oh, I'm just just going to get up and get up and walk. Yeah. Oh. Okay. So so we know what retained primitive reflexes are now. We've we've touched a little bit on this, but how? What's the obvious ways it can impact us as adults? So um, one of the ways we see it causing a problem as adults is uh, is poor executive function. That's probably I d- I, uh, I've done a couple of talks on executive function or executive dysfunction. So so that's where you're not able to do those processes that people would normally be able to do. So it's things like procrastination, um, poor working memory, um, poor um, Oh, it's fallen out of my head, the word. <laughs> poor memory for where things are, object permanence, poor okay. object permanence. Okay. So, so that's where you go shopping and you think, oh, I'm sure I've run out of baked beans and you buy baked beans and you come home and you've got 10 tins already in the cupboard. That's an object permanence issue. So, um, and general organisational skills. So, um, so if you look at my office, I try and keep it tidy, but it tends to get messy because my object permanence isn't great and if and if I don't see something I forget it exists so if that's something you know I say to people that's that something you struggle with take the doors off your cupboards and just have shelves so that you can see what you've got so that you don't have to try and make yourself remember yeah. so so there's lots of there's lots of tricks and things and ways around it but the simplest way to to deal with it is to is to do a movement program or or pursue something like that that has a has a more permanent fix. Yeah, yeah. So that that brings me on to to what is rhythmic mu- movement training. So rhythmic movement training is is one of the programs that I use to help integrate primitive reflexes. So there's lots and lots of movement programs. They all work. Um, but rhythmic movement training is particularly effective because we respond as as animals we respond very very well to rhythm 
so rhythm you know we're rhythmic beings right from the point of conception when we are uh living in our mummy's tummies where you've got the rhythm of her heart and the rhythm of her blood circulating and the rhythm of her digestive system we're exposed to rhythm from a really really early age and when you see babies in you know tiny babies will respond to rhythm when babies are at the point of standing they'll dance so rhythm is really really important for for how our brains respond to things so rhythmic movement training takes advantage of that rhythm and uses it in rhythmic repeated movements floor-based movements that encourage those those primitive reflex to integrate and the brain to build the connections that it needs to build oh interesting interesting you're absolutely right and I I don't think we sort of think about it do we but you're right from the moment when we're in the womb and we can hear the blood flowing and the you know, all the different processes, the heart beats and everything else. It's quite And you see how people respond to music, whether it's classical music or whether it's, you know, just drum music. There's a, the, the, we have a huge response, emotional response to the yeah. To music. So, yeah, it's fascinating. Now, I know um, as women get older, so women who are perimenopausal or menopausal, um, quite often struggle with executive function so where does that impact come from so so partly our dopamine tends to decrease as when we get to menopause but also our ability to mask drops because we're coping with that shift in hormones so that ability to be able to pretend everything is okay drops and menopause particularly has issues around memory and organization and things like that so often that's when those deficits really really show up so people are looking at menopausal symptoms and also looking at things like ADHD type symptoms and autistic type symptoms and going off to get a diagnosis but some of that can be improved by working on retained primitive reflexes because often those reflexes are still retained. They still have an effect and a bearing on how we function. Mm. So you can come and you can still get those reflexes to integrate. They don't, they, they will integrate, but we have to carry on doing movements. You know, with when I see children, we do a movement program, encourages their reflexes to integrate, and then they just kind of go and go on with their lives. As adults, we have to keep going. A bit like going to the gym, you know, you have to keep going to the gym. Yeah. Um, but it but it's still very effective and it still helps to 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 minimize the the issues that we have to deal with. So it improves memory, improves working memory, improves long-term memory improves function generally brilliant brilliant oh, that sounds as if it could be really useful for so many people now I know that you offer a free 15 minute chat to Always. discuss what might be going on with someone so what's the best way for people to get in touch with you um it, email is is usually the best way to get in touch with me um yeah. or text brilliant. uh but but email is probably the best way or, or message or via, via my facebook page okay Okay. Well, what I will do is, um, as this goes live in the show notes, I'll make sure all your contact details are there. Thank you. And um, your website, which I know is a contact page, um, uh, your mobile number is on your website as well, and your email. Um, and then people can get in touch with you and have a chat with you and Absolutely. see what. Yeah, and see even what if somebody is. isn't local, I'm very happy. 
I'm always very happy to talk about reflexes and talk about how things impact them um, because I think it's important. I think it's an important thing for more people to be aware of. It, it, yeah. it can make such a difference. And it's such a simple thing to be able to do. You know, it's five, 10, 15 minutes of movement a day can completely change how your how your brain functions and how your life is. And it's, yeah, you're right. We all want to live the best life we can possibly live. And we can, you know, most people can improve their life if there's something not working, not functioning in their life. But they, they obviously have to be willing to do it, willing to explore what's going on, willing to do the work to make it all get better, basically. So, um, Nikki, thank you so much for talking to us today. Really lovely to have you on here. And uh, yeah, I'll post all those details up. And then if you're listening out there and you feel something isn't quite working in your life, please take Nikki up on her kind offer, have a chat with her and see if there's some way she could help you. I'm sure we'll speak again, Nikki. So thank you so much for chatting. Thanks so much for listening to this week's show. Check out all the links to the resources mentioned in today's episode and all my freebies in the show notes. See you next time.